Good morning, everybody. Can I get a good morning? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Missed a lot of y'all last week. Uh, Those of us who were here had a great time doing a little brunch, uh, just socializing, being community, enjoying one another's company. And uh, so that was good. I hope you had a good Father's Day weekend. Um, And then uh, I think the report is that Friday night, Saturday was a pretty good time for the ladies. I think everybody enjoyed it. Um, Julia was just kind of telling me how how much she enjoyed that community and the idea that um, the those who were there shared uh, just just the family familial I guess feeling of being able to be with one another and and sharing that experience and so she's really appreciated that so um, we'll keep doing that kind of stuff it's good um, so sermon okay sermon. This morning, uh, I'm going to be looking at a uh, little bit of a sizable piece of scripture. Um, You will recognize it. Uh, Yeah, you'll recognize it. Um, In terms of, you'll recognize individual stories within it, um, but it's actually one big piece. And so I like to look at things in that way because we get a different focus when we look at kind of the overarching passage of what's going on and what Jesus talked about and now what he's talking about and what he's teaching and what he's doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, So it's going to be a big piece this morning. We're not going to read it all, but it's going to be from John chapter 6. And uh, it starts out with with a a pretty familiar miracle. Um, Before we get to the familiar miracle, Jesus has been doing some teaching uh, and some, uh, some miracles. So he does some miracles. He's confronted about that. Uh, and then he does a few more miracles. And then he does some teaching. And then uh, he gets in a boat and he crosses the Sea of Galilee to get away. All right? Um, and so you can, I mean, we don't know why he wants to get away. Is it just like it's, it's enough and we gotta, we, I got to get away? Or is it to the point of getting to what he's getting to here, or what we're going to talk about? Um, but the point is, he crosses the boat, or he crosses the sea in a boat to get away um, and, uh, from these crowds, because what's happening is they're getting bigger and bigger, right? The crowds are getting bigger and bigger. They're following him from town to town as he's teaching, as he's doing these miracles, all kinds of stuff. And so, after he does these miracles and after he teaches, he gets in a boat and he crosses the water to, to get across. He wants some time with his disciples and with his father. Um, and uh, what do you know? The people follow him, right? This is a dedicated crowd. They follow him. They get across the lake or they go around the lake or whatever happens. Um, and they follow him. And so it says, uh, the scripture says that when Jesus is, is sitting there, he looks up and he sees a large crowd gathering. And he nudges Philip. That's my visual there. He nudges Philip, and Philip goes, oh, that's a big crowd. And Jesus nudges him again and says, um, where are you going to buy all the bread to feed these people? And Philip goes, buy bread to feed these people? Do you know how much money that would take, Jesus? Like, we are not going to be able to do that. There would be 200 denarii, I think it says. Um, that's a lot of money like a denarius day's wages. So 200 days worth of wages to, to feed all these people. How are we going to do that? I don't think so. Uh, and so Andrew, who is the brother of uh, Peter, uh, who was another one of the disciples, 
is there and he's like, well, I'll be helpful. And he says, here's a boy. Uh, and he, this boy has five loaves of bread. Like, don't think like our loaves of bread. Think like loaves of bread. Um, and two fish. But, I mean, what's that going to do? Great, Andrew. Why'd you bring it up if it's not going to do us any good? Um, and so Jesus, y'all, y'all know this, right? Jesus has people sit down. He distributes the, the bread to the disciples. Um, and he just, I, I want to know what that looks like. Does he have like a basket or is he just kind of bring it out behind his back? Woo, woo. I don't know what it looks like, right? Um, anyway, he distributes it and the disciples keep giving it and giving and giving it. There's 5,000 men, it says. So plus women and children, lots of people. Um, and everybody is fed and there are 12 basketfuls left over, which is crazy because that's more than they started with. They have more leftover than they started with, right? Hope you like leftovers. Um, and uh, and Jesus, Jesus feeds these people, right? He feeds them bread. Key point, keep it in your mind, all right? He feeds them bread. Um, it's an incredible miracle. So the next thing that happens is uh, Jesus and his disciples kind of withdraw again. And then in the evening, he sends his disciples back across the sea, okay? So they've crossed the sea once, the people followed him. Then Jesus says, all right, guys, get out of here. I'll join you later. I don't know what that was discussion like. They're like, well, how are you gonna do that, blah, blah, blah. Sends him in a boat. There's a storm, right? Disciples are afraid for their lives. Jesus comes walking out later on, on the water. Um, miraculous thing. Uh, and, uh, and he joins them. He gets in the boat. When they figure out that it's him and not a ghost, they let him on. Um, and, uh, and boom, they're to the other side. The people who have gathered wake up the next morning and find Jesus and his disciples gone. And then they go down to the water and they find boats gone. And they think, boo, he went back across. So they get in boats and they go back and they find Jesus again, right? So this is twice now that the people have crossed the lake to get to Jesus. Um, and so uh, when they get to Jesus this time, this crowd following Jesus, uh, he kind of confronts them and he's like, they're like, well, Jesus, when did you leave? Or what are you doing? And all that kind of stuff. And he's like, listen, guys, you're just here for the bread. You liked the bread last night. You wanted the free bread. Now you're just after bread. You were satisfied, but now you want more kind of a thing. Um, specifically, more specifically, he says, you didn't come because you saw the signs, the miraculous things, the, that word signs or wonders, or the miracles is like a confirming miracle. You didn't come because you know I'm the son of God and you want to follow. You came because you wanted bread, okay? Um, because it was free food. And then he continues on in verse in John chapter six, verse 27. He says, you, 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 you didn't come because you saw the signs, but because you, saw, because you ate some of the loaves and you were filled. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So don't work for the food that perishes, but work for food that's eternal. Therefore they said to him, well, what are we to do so that we may accomplish the works of God? How should we work? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. That's the work of God. Believe in him. And so they said to him, well, then what are you going to do as a sign so that we may see and believe you? Are you kidding me? What work are you performing? 
Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Like, catch on to what's happening here, okay? Jesus does some miracles, they follow him. He does some more miracles that include feeding them bread. They follow him wanting bread. And then they say, well, how do we know that you're, you're who you are, right? How do we know you're not just some guy that gives out bread? Well, what sign are you going to show us? What sign did he just show you, right? I mean, it's like the, our, father ate, or our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, which is bread, right? What's the problem here, right? I mean, what, what, why aren't they seeing this? Why aren't they connecting these dots? He just fed... I don't know, 7,500, 10,000 of them with bread. And he says, listen, that's not why I'm here though. I'm here so that you would believe in me, the son of God. And they said, well, then give us a sign. More specifically, our ancestors got bread from heaven. What will you give us? They just followed him because of the bread, right? They just followed him because of this bread. Literally, they asked for a sign of the thing that he just did. It's kind of like talking to a two-year-old who has a piece of bread in their hand and they're like, I want bread. And you're like, well, you have bread, but, but I want bread. No, you have bread, but I want bread. It's, it's like, you can see the frustration happening. And in my humanity, um, I see Jesus with just a lack of patience, just going, keep it together, Jesus, right? That's what I'd be doing. I know that's not what Jesus did, but that's what I'd be doing. It's just gotta be so frustrating. And so instead of continuing this thing, he ups the stakes with them a little bit, right? He says, oh, you want bread as a sign? That's how you're gonna understand this? You want bread as a sign? I literally just gave you some. Um, but how, something, how about something a little less literal? How about some less literal bread? And so in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. So I, but I said to you, uh, but I said to you that you have indeed seen me and yet you do not believe everything that the father gives me, uh, yeah, sorry, everything that the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I certainly will not cast out for I have come down from heaven and do not, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that of everything that he has given me, I will lose nothing, but will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus, they want bread. And Jesus says, okay, well, let's use that. And he gives them something a little bit less literal. And he's like, I am the bread, right? And I just have to wonder in these circumstances, like what, what is Jesus really like trying to accomplish in this moment? Because he knows that what he is saying is 100% over these people's heads. They are not getting it. Maybe I guess there was a few in the crowd or maybe it was for a lesson for the disciples. Um, I don't know, but this has to be very confusing for these people. 
that are just after some bread, right? They're not looking at Jesus for who he is. They're not understanding what he's teaching. And actually, they get offended by what he's teaching when he says, I am from heaven. I came down from heaven, right? This is the bread from heaven. Um, because the next, the very next line, literally they say, wait a minute, we know this guy's parents. <laughs> is this not the little boy we saw grow up from heaven? What is he talking about? And then Jesus goes on in verse 48. He's still teaching. They're not getting it, but he's still teaching. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world is also my flesh. Okay, wait a minute. He's like doubling down on this thing, right? First he says he's the bread. Then he goes in on it and he suggests that they eat his flesh. Like, this is getting weird. And it gets weirder. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and, and I live because of the father, the one who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. I'm out, right? I'm out, nope, eat, eat you. You really, you want us to eat you. That does not make sense. I was here for some bread and now you're telling me to eat you? I'm out. And in verse 6, 66, amazingly, John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, as a result of this, many of his disciples left and would no longer walk with him. They're out, right? They're out. Where do we go with this? Like, Jesus literally says, unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood. Well, we have to know the context of the teaching. That's why we look at this as a whole story, right? As a whole, uh, not story, as a whole like group of events together. This all happened at one time. Um, remember the significance of the bread? He, he gives them bread, Right? the significance of that miracle. The very next miracle is him walking on water. These are Jewish people that he's talking to. What two very significant miracles basically in the, in the history of them as a people signify them as a people? They involve bread and water, right? Bread, manna in the wilderness, water, the, the escaping Egypt, God parting the Red Sea, right? Um, and especially then when you, you look in John chapter 5, 45, which Jesus says right before this, uh, he says, where is it? 45, he says, do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you have put your hope. 
So we have to know that all of this that Jesus is teaching is in the context of this ongoing discussion that he's having with Jewish people about Moses and the law and their way of life and their way of expecting to relate to God and all of these things, right? And they're they're following the law of Moses and they're looking to Moses as like the, the, the initiator of this way of life and how we relate to God. These are Jewish people who follow the law in order to remain God's people. It's their identity. It's their entire world. And so Jesus is doing some miracles in the midst of an ongoing conversation about this thing. And he's doing these miracles and he's teaching these teachings that should be pretty familiar to these people as Jewish people. As people who look to Moses as the father of the law and the father of their way of life. They even quote Moses or like quote the old covenant or the old testament when they say uh, he gave us bread in the wilderness to eat, manna in the wilderness to eat. Like they're, they're, they're saying, look, here is the, here is the old evidence. What, what evidence are you gonna give us that's gonna match that? Bread from heaven, manna from heaven. That's a reference to God giving people manna in the wilderness when there was nothing else to eat. God providing. Manna was, was appearing on the ground daily. They would go collect it daily. That was their source of food for that day. They complained about it, but it was God's provision for them, Right? And so they had that as a sign. They always looked to that as a sign for God's provision. It was a sign that he was with them, that he was leading them from on this journey. It was manna, it was bread. And then Jesus walking on the water as a sign of, of you know, it's the symbolism there. Like he breaks the, the, the rules of physics. God breaks the rules of physics to part the sea so they can walk across. Jesus doesn't even need to part the sea. He just walks on top of it, Right? And so there should be some connections for these, these people. There's this thread of Moses and the law running through all of these miracles and these teachings. And with that, you can start to kind of see, I think, what the point of this whole thing is for Jesus, what he's tr- the message that he's trying to get across. So go back to the beginning of this with that in mind. Um, when Jesus calls him out for chasing him around for bread... He says, don't work for that kind of bread. Work, work for eternal bread, right? Work for the bread that brings eternal life. And they respond, okay, well, what, what work should we do, right? What are the works of God? What are, what are these things that we should be doing? Which is a very Moses and the law mindset, right? What should we be doing? What do we have to do? What can we do and accomplish for God for, in order for him to accomplish his purposes, in order, in order for us to stay in relationship with him? It was... The law is performance-based relationship, behavioral-based relationship. What can we do to establish and maintain relationship with God? What do we do? And Jesus says this amazing thing. He says, we do the work of God. Well, what's the work of God? The work of God is that you believe in him. Me, him, who the Father sent. Believe in me. That's it. Believe in me. Now think about this for these people. Think about the shift in thinking that that would require for them in order for them to grasp what he's saying. They want to know 
If you're not just here giving us bread, if you really are some kind of a, a prophet, well, then tell us what to do for God because that's what their whole life has been based on, right? That's what their whole system of living has been wrapped around. What can we do? What, what, can we, what is the work of God that we can do for him? And Jesus says, the work of God is for you to believe in me. That's it. What can we do for eternal life? You can believe in me. That's the work you get to do. Wait, believe? That's the work? This would take a a, a monumental shift, not just in thinking, but in how you live, right? Their entire story as a people has been based on doing the right thing, doing the right work. And Jesus is suggesting now that the only work that is to be done is believing him to do it, trusting him. Now that can't be, can't be, but it is. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And he's telling them just like there was manna sent from God to provide for you and to sustain the, the fathers, your fathers in the wilderness, your ancestors, God has sent me to provide and to sustain you. And by the way, they died, right? This is a different level of provision and sustaining. This is an eternal sustaining. He says, I am the bread of life. And if you eat my flesh and if you drink my blood, so if you partake in me and what I'm doing, if you trust me and you trust my work, if you believe in me, if you accept what I'm doing for you, then you'll have eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life. Manna sustained them, kept them living as they collected it daily. God was providing for them with manna, and now Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Look at me, look to me. Look at what I'm doing. Trust me, trust my work. Look at what I'm doing as opposed to what you had with Moses and what you had with the law. This is better. What Moses did and what Moses wrote about, it all points to me anyway. He's taking this basic understanding of what these people had and how they lived their life, this understanding that that manna in their history was like this central way that God provided for them. And he's saying, I am the manna. I am what God is doing to provide for you. And it's not like the manna that was before, it was temporary and gave your fathers food for a day. This is eternal. I am the way. I am the way that God is providing for you to live forever. And if you partake in me and you believe me for that, that is life. But you can see how all this is very confusing to these people who have an established understanding of what relationship with God looks like. They have an established way of life that allows them access to God. It's through the law of Moses. But here is is Jesus saying, Moses doesn't cut it. 
In fact, it was never Moses that gave you bread anyway. It was my father who was giving you the bread. But you've put your hope in Moses. It was my father that gave you the bread, and now he's giving me to you. He's saying there is a change in the game, okay? This new covenant thing that Jesus was bringing, and at this point, as Jesus is talking to these people, it's not full and completed yet because he hasn't died and rose again from the grave, right? But there, this new covenant thing, he's saying this is something new coming by the way of Jesus, the son of God and his sacrifice. This is not the old covenant. It was not what these people had understood and what they had known their entire lives. And you can imagine how difficult that is to hear. How difficult it would be to compute when, when everything that you do and did and, and lived your life based upon is coming into conflict with this. When you believed and you, you lived in relationship with God based on this old covenant thing, all of a sudden it's countered by God. It's upended by God. You can imagine being in this situation and saying, no, 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 no. This is blasphemy. I don't think so, right? You can imagine or you can understand maybe why these people who were enamored with Jesus, with his teachings, with his miracles, right? Who, were, who, who liked the bread, you can imagine or you could see why they would walk away all of a sudden when what he says is completely in conflict with what they've believed to be true about the nature of relationship with God. And in John 6, verse 66, as a result, many of his disciples left. It would no longer walk with him. And in fact, it causes such a stir that just a couple of verses later, it says Jesus was no longer willing to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. There's a conflict here between what Jesus is saying as I am the bread of life and what these people understood as relationship to God under the Mosaic law. And it's not just the eating my flesh stuff. I think on the surface, sure, that probably turns some people off, right? But that's not the main reason people left. That's not why they wanted to kill Jesus. It's because Jesus said, it's all me now. It's all me. It's not the law. And there is a conflict between the way of life under the old covenant and the way of life under the covenant of Jesus' blood. There's a conflict in those things. And I think some of you feel that conflict. You feel conflict between what I thought I knew and how I thought my relationship with God worked. Maybe asking on a daily basis, what's the work of God for eternal life? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What do I need to do? What, how, how, how can I accomplish the work of God? And now you're discovering that Jesus said, the work that you must do is believe in him and trust him to do it.
And that's a different ballgame. It's not just different rules in the game, in the same game. It's a different game altogether. To be asking the question of what do I need to do? What, can I work, what work can I do? And for Jesus to say that what you need to do is trust me. That's it. It's a different realm of what life looks like. And I think there is conflict probably within some of you, within me. I've experienced it in the past, right? Conflict to say, yeah, but that doesn't fit with what I know. How am I supposed to press on toward the goal and win the prize in that current understanding with Jesus saying, it's me. How am I supposed to, uh, I believe I'm supposed to show my faith by my works, right? I'm supposed to, to bear my cross daily. That's a different realm than Jesus bore my cross. It's a different realm than I have a new nature and I have a new heart and my heart is not wicked and evil anymore because he gave me a new one. And my nature is not in the nature of Adam, but it is in the nature of Christ. So I can see and understand why there would be confusion and conflict within you when you try and live in both realms. Imagine trying to play chess with checkers pieces. You can't, you can't do it, right? It's going to be real confusing. Oh, well, this one right here, that's the queen, and this one is the rook. No, they all look the same. How do you keep it straight on what piece is where, right? It's all confusing. It's trying to do two different things at the same time. You can't do it that way. Jesus is saying, it's all me now. It's all me now. I'm the bread. Trust me for your life. Not hanging on to the old way of the manna. That was performance. I am your performance now. But I can only be your performance if you trust me for it. And you will only ever experience the fullness of, of the freedom that is life in Christ if you let go of the old and you take hold of the new. You can't hold on to both. I think that's what a lot of Christians are trying to do, holding on to the both. Here's the thing that I see with these people in Scripture. They didn't walk away from God. Actually, they walked away from Jesus because they were committed to God, right? They didn't walk away from God. They just walked away from the bread of life. They were still working on relationship with God through the law of Moses. They were committed to that. They just thought Jesus was ridiculous to say, eat my flesh. I am the way. I am the life. I'm from heaven. Come on. So they didn't walk away from God. They just walked away from Jesus and what he offered in reality. And I've seen that with people too. They love the idea of grace, but there's gotta be more, right? To say accomplishing the work of God is trusting Jesus to do the work, no way. 
No way. Because it doesn't fit with what I know. It doesn't fit with what I've been taught. They can't let go of believing that somehow God relates to them on the basis of Jesus now rather than the basis of their performance. They just can't commit to the idea that God did something new in Jesus. They like his miracles, they like his teachings, but trusting him to have fully done it all, can't buy it. They like grace as long as it's a safety net for when I don't meet the standard. So I know the conflict, right? I've felt the conflict. I lived in the conflict for years without even knowing it. This scripture came from a message that I preached in 2017, so a year before we moved up here. And the title of that message that I preached in 2017 was, The Gospel is Simple, But It Isn't Easy. You want to talk about a message that put people to work? Oh, right? Because it's not easy. Because you got you to you get in there. And if you really believe, then you really will get in there and you'll, you'll really surrender everything and you really give up your time and you really serve the church. And you makes me want to vomit that I said those things, right? The gospel is simple. And it is easy if you trust him to do it, right? To have done it. Now, I understand we can, we can talk about, well, it's not easy. I, that part's not easy to trust him fully, especially when you're trying to come away from, from a works-based thing or, or, or religious understanding, all that stuff. That, that may not be easy, okay? But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My yoke fits, right? And my burden is light. He didn't make it difficult. He made it simple. I'm the bread of life. Trust me. So there is a conflict that you can experience in your, in your mind, in your heart, right? In your, in your understanding of what is this? Is it all Jesus? Is it, is it me? Is it what do I have to do? Where do I have to go? All that kind of stuff, right? But he said, just trust me in it. I'm the bread now. I did that in the past, but I'm the bread, right? I'm the bread now. I'm the bread of life. Partake of me and what I am doing and what I did, he's saying to us now, what I've done, right? Partake of me. Trust me. Look to me to have done it for you. And let's live life together, right? Let's live life together with Jesus. Life won't always be easy. I got the, I, I'm 100% there on, with you on that. But relationship with him means putting it in his hands and saying, yes, Lord, I trust you, okay? I trust you to have done it all. I'm not gonna live in this relationship based on what I can do anymore. I'm just gonna believe you and I'm gonna live in that. Let's pray.